You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Dana Henschel, the Outreach Coordinator at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law, and today we are talking about touring assisted living communities. What questions should you ask? What should you look for? What is typical? And what are the red flags? Joining me for this conversation is one of our elder care coordinators, Patty Bedwell. Welcome, Patty. Thank you, Dana. Thanks for having me. What a great topic. Yes, um, it, it is a needed topic because I just started doing this personally and I thought that I had all of this down pat, but I found myself stumbling as, as I started to do this. So let's start at the beginning. How do you pick which communities to tour? Well, that is a good starting point, and uh, I suggest always starting with the places that are most convenient to you. Um, keep in mind that you're going to be going there a lot, so you want to make your journey there and back as stress-free as possible. Um, you can do a lot of looking online, maybe to fine-tune those places in your area to look at or whatever, um, most all of the facilities in our area have a website with pictures and information about their services and their, the amenities that they have. And, and then just kind of look that over and pick facilities that you feel are suitable for your loved one. Would they like a more formal looking place with, you know, the big chandeliers and the upscale, um, you know, amenities around and decorating or would they be more comfortable in something a little bit more key, more low key? And um, remember, keep this in mind, you're looking for them, not you. So keep their preferences the priority. A lot of times, um, sometimes the children, they think if a place is, is a, a pretty place, if it's a really pretty place, that's more suitable to them and it gives them comfort knowing that their loved one is in such a place but it may be that that's not quite the right fit for your loved one so keep that in mind and if at all possible take them with you so they can be a part of the decision making that will help them in lots and lots of ways most especially to help them acclimate to the facility because they were actually involved in the choice I think those are really, really good points. Um, as someone who used to work at an assisted living community, I would tour the families and you could tell when people were touring for themselves versus touring for mom. Mm -hmm. And if mom has lived on a farm her whole life and likes the simple things, the grandiose chandelier isn't going to work for her. No, it's going to make her uncomfortable. That's right. Yeah. And also, you know, if the best community is two hours away, 
that's not helpful either, or even 30 minutes, because you've got to make it where you're going to be able to visit mom and fit that within your lifestyle and make it convenient for you. That's exactly right. So how many do you tour before making your choice? Well, (laughs) that's, uh, hmm. Most people can get overwhelmed by too many choices, so I always tell people to keep that in mind. In this area of Tennessee, we have an abundance of assisted living facilities. So if you set out on a day to go, and that's what you're going to do is tour assisted livings all day long, they're going to all run together. So uh, I suggest not touring more than two or three in a day just so you can keep them all straight in your head. And another good idea before you go to the first place is to sit down and write out some questions. Just think about what is it you need to know about placing your loved one? You know, aside from, you know, the simple, the the, um, big things like the cost and what the room looks like, you know, and things like that. Um, Then you want to take a notebook with you so you can actually write down what you see, what you, what your impressions are. You know, how did you feel when you walked into the door of that assisted living? Did you look around and feel like, oh, my mom's not going to fit in here or, you know. And then um, keep touring until you find the one that you feel like is going to work. Uh, Many people have told me that when they walk into the place that they ultimately chose for their loved one, they knew it almost immediately because it felt like somewhere that their loved one would enjoy. And then just kind of rely on your instincts. Um, So as far as the number of facilities to tour, it really varies. And some people may look at four facilities I've known people that looked at one and loved the first one and felt comfortable. And then I've known others that have looked at, you know, 10, 15 facilities and are still struggling to find the one that they feel like is right. So it really just depends on you, your expectations and what you're trying to find for your loved one. So should you schedule a tour or should you just pop in? I mean, you know, I, I think that some people feel when they schedule a tour, yes, that person is prepared and they're expecting you, but they're also prepared and expecting you. So you might not be seeing the true nature of the community. So what are your thoughts on that? And should you tour uh, during business hours or an off time or on a holiday or both? Well, I'm really a fan of both things. I think it's very important that you get the tour so you can find out the cost, the services, the availability, what things you can expect from the facility so you'll know um, all those things going into it. But it's also just as important to see what the facility is like because your loved one is going to spend a lot of time in that facility when you're not there. So knowing what it's like, when you're not there to oversee things is really an important thing. Some people I've worked with will pop in first and then we'll follow up with a scheduled tour. Other people I know have done just the opposite. 
Just remember, though, if you do tour on the weekends, holidays, or the off hours, there might not be as much staff in the building, and I mean administrative staff. So some of the questions that you have may not be able to be answered. Um, visiting at different times in the day is also helpful. You know, in the day shift, there's there's more staff than there is on the afternoon shift, the evening shift, and all that. Um, and so things are different from a t- from a staff perspective. So it really makes sense that things for the residents of that facility would be different based on the staffing in the building at the time. Um, so that's something I would suggest as well. Coming at it from every angle is probably the best way to go. So you talk to the staff, you pop in, and you you know just try to get your general feel for the facility. I, I like that, trying to do both, maybe touring, picking your top two, and then popping in on an off hour just to kind of see, what is it really mm-hmm. like? Is it like it was when I toured? Right. It's a little cumbersome, you know, because you're making more than one visit to the same uh, place. But, you know, if you really want a successful placement, you don't want to have to move two or three times, doing that extra diligence on the forefront might be very, very worthy. And speaking of getting questions answered, what questions should you ask? (laughs) Uh, Well, as I said, it's really helpful to put together a list of questions before you start looking. Um, You always want the basic questions about the cost, the services, the amenities, you know, how much does it cost? What do we get for that cost? What bells and whistles can we expect? Um, What are their services? You know, you you need to know what holes are you going to have to fill? You know, what things are provided, what things are not. Also need to know things like um, what's not included in the cost. What supplies do I have to provide? What supplies are provided by the facility? What about snacks? You know, do they provide snacks? Do I have to provide those? Um, What happens if my loved one declines? How long can they stay here? When will they have to move to a nursing home? Is that, you know, is that in their future? Um, So also you need to know um, who do you go to if we have a problem? Say there's a problem with a roommate or a neighbor or the food or the this or that. How do how do those kinds of things get handled? Who do I go to and how are they resolved? Right. I think that um, I think that's very important that a lot of people don't think about is as my loved one declines, what is the plan? And if my loved one has a dementia diagnosis, maybe they are appropriate for memory care now. But when they are no longer appropriate, um, what are those cues? When will they be moved to memory care? Um, And You'll find that a lot of assisted livings, not all are the same. Some incontinence is not an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Some incontinence is an issue and it isn't appropriate. Some um, incontinence of bowel, uh, they can handle others. They're like, nope, 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 that doesn't work on this side of the building. So Mm -hmm. it's important to know 
um, the path forward, like you said, as your loved one progresses. Right. And very important what you said, that each facility is different. So what one facility, you, you don't get one blanket answer to those questions. Each facility, you have to ask those particular questions. Right. So I think that it is hard sometimes for families to have uh, the forethought to think about those things like one person assist, two person assist, what kinds of diets do you provide? I know food mm -hmm. is very important, but do you also provide mechanical soft pureed or, or no? Um, mm -hmm. So um, also uh, what should you be looking for when you tour some kind of unmentionables? <laughs> like what should you be noticing as far as like other residents or okay. red flags? Well, um, you start as you walk in the building or as you're walking into the building and just take a good hard look at the facility and, and decide for yourself, do you feel like it's well tended? Is it kept up well? Are the grounds kept up? And then, you know, as you're in the building, look at the residents. How do they look? Um, are they well groomed? Are they smiling? Are they interacting with others? Um, you want to look at the staff and listen to their interactions with the residents. I think that's a key thing. You know, are they respectful? Do you hear laughter in the building? Um, do you see activities going on? You know, are people walking and talking and doing things? Um, for me, if it's dead quiet, dead to the world quiet in the building, I want to know why. Um, Sometimes there's a good reason, but for the most part, when a facility is quiet, that's a big red flag for me. I don't want my loved one to be bored. And so I always uh, encourage people to check out the activity calendar. And as you're looking at it, you know, look at the type of activities. Is there a variety of activities being offered? And are they real activities or are they things like watching a movie or games of choice? Um, when I look at, a, at an activity calendar, I'm looking for things that my loved one is going to like to do. You know, so are there outings? Do they take the residents out into the community for different things? Do they offer any arts and crafts or music, music activities? How about education? Do they do any kind of educating? Um, you know, for the residents. Maybe they teach Spanish, you know, maybe they do some off-the-wall things, but just check and make sure that there's something going on so that your loved one will have something to do to fill up their time. Um, as I said, listening to the resident interactions is great. And maybe you can talk to a few residents or their family members and just ask their opinion. You know, how do you like this facility? What do you think about the food? Is the food good here? You know, is this a place you would recommend to a, a friend? Um, other red flags for me are not getting a straight answer to a question. If you're asking about services or the staffing or the cost, uh, most especially staffing, that seems to get kind of gray answers a lot of times. Um, and then be sure that you leave your tour with a list of the services and the cost. 
And if they're a facility that have service plans, you know, that change as the resident condition changes, you want to know uh, how often are the residents assessed for changes. And um, if there are changes that's going to raise the care cost up for your resident, is there anything that the family can do? Can the family make arrangements to come in to maybe, I don't know, maybe bathe your loved one or provide medications, you know, is there anything the family can do to offset the uh, rise in the, in the care costs? I think those are great points. And I like what you said about speaking with other residents and other families, because that was going to be my next question is who else should you speak with besides the salesperson? Because, you know, if you make an appointment for the tour, that's usually the only interaction that you're having. Um, So should you speak with anyone else? Yes, always. I always like to speak with other people and Um, Another red flag I wasn't thinking when you asked that was if I am at my tour and I do ask, you know, hey, are there a couple residents I might be able to talk with about, you know, some of these things and they tell you no, that's kind of a red flag to me too. Um, So, yeah, talking to a few residents, maybe a family member or two to get their opinion is great. And if you're uh, able to do that, Ask them about things like the food, like the staffing. How easy is it to get um, to get help? Do they feel like there's enough staff? Um, those kinds of things. And for me, uh, my secret contacts or my secret people that I talk to to find out about facilities are the housekeepers. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, you know, the housekeepers, they're everywhere in the facility, in the offices, in the rooms, in the common areas. They know most everyone in the building, residents, staff, families. And so they know they know, and they see a lot that goes on in the facility. So sometimes talking with them just generally about the facility and how it, you know, different things um, can be pretty helpful and insightful. Yeah. And then... Uh, <clears throat> go ahead. I think maybe one of the last things I wanted to say was that... Um, One thing to keep in mind is that the successful placement in a facility takes work on both sides. Um, Keep in mind that you are partnering with the staff to uh, be sure that your loved one is well cared for and that they're happy and content and all that. And then remember, as you're touring and talking with your loved one, they're going to be taking their cues from you. So if you keep your positivity flowing as much as possible, that will be very helpful for them as well. I think those are excellent, excellent points. Um, One other thing that I just wanted to add, um, and it's hard because since uh, the pandemic, there's been a lot of turnover in facilities, but I always also asked to speak with the administrator because if there's ever any troubleshooting, usually that's the person that that you're going to be speaking with Mm -hmm. Um, and see, get your read on the administrator and how long they have been there. Um, Staff longevity is also, um, if the staff has been there a long time, that's a good sign. 
Yeah, it is. My uh, rule of thumb has always been if a staff member has been in a facility for more than a year, they're there because they like their job, they like what they're doing, they like the residents, and they like their facility. Um, and yeah, you're right. Staff longevity is a is a great thing. And well, as well, I can tell that we're both we're both passionate, having <laughs> both worked in facilities about this, but. We are running short on time, so I guess it's time to wrap it up for today. Um, thank you to everyone who is listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 